Find other great podcasts like this one at podmoth.network. Welcome to the Brutal, Bizarre, and Boozy podcast. I'm Declan, the son. And I'm Jane, the mom. This is the podcast where we talk about brutal crimes, bizarre occurrences, and get you drunk with cocktails themed around one of our stories. To lighten things up, we'd like to end our time with a chaser. Please keep in mind some of our stories might be upsetting to young or sensitive ears. We love hearing from our listeners, so feel free to contact us by email or social media. You can find our contact info in the show notes for this episode. If you'd like to support us through Patreon, you can find us there at Brutal, Bizarre, and Boozy Podcast, or use the link in our show notes. Hey, fellow truth seekers, I'm Justin. And I'm Brandy, and together we'll be your guides on this spine-tingling journey through the unknown. We dive headfirst into the eerie realms of cryptids, from Bigfoot to Loch Ness Monster. And hold on tight, because we'll explore spine-chilling encounters with extraterrestrial beings and UFO sightings that will leave you questioning what's really out there. Beyond the Shadows is not your average paranormal podcast. Our goal is simple, to shed light on the shadows that haunt our world and confront the unexplained with an open mind. And for the skeptics, don't worry, we have something for you too. Our conspiracy theories will challenge your beliefs and make you question everything. So, if you're fascinated by the paranormal, yearn for chilling true crime stories, or crave the adrenaline rush of uncovering conspiracies, join us on this hair-raising adventure as we journey beyond the shadows. Find other great podcasts like this one at podmoth.network. Okay, Mom, what story do you have for us today? I am going to be telling you about a cult that was run by a man named Jeffrey Lundgren. And it was, of course, a religious cult, but we're going to talk about him and his cult and some bad things that he did. What story have you got for us today? A story about the Twilight movie. The Twilight Zone movie, sorry. Twilight Zone. Twilight not Zone Twilight movie. movie. The okay. Z- Z- the Vampires and Werewolves, the Twilight Zone movie, sorry. Okay, good. Because I'm on board with Twilight Zone, but <laughs> not Twilight. Same. I don't like Twilight either. So yeah. to go with this drink, I have the Twilight Zone. Yay! Perfectly named drink. So this to make this drink, you're going to dump uh, one and a half ounces of coconut cream, five ounces of ice, one ounce of Bacardi light rum, one ounce of curacao, blue curacao, sorry, and a half ounce of melon liqueur. And you're going to blend <laughs> it all up and make a slushy out of it. Let's give this a try. Okay. So the directions that I saw said to float your curacao. So I f- attempted to float my curacao and it did not float. It, it middled <laughs> like I've got a foam layer and then a blue layer and then a white layer. So I don't know. Okay. That is gross. I don't know. That is nasty. It needs something. It needs like orange juice or something like 
The only thing in there that's not liquor is fucking uh, coconut cream. <laughs> I love yeah. coconut cream. But it needs that's a gross. couple flavors. That's, that's it does. It needs a little bit of a tart. There's no tart. I think maybe Ugh. like orange juice and a splash of pineapple, but then it'd pretty much just be a blue uh, pina colada, <sighs> but Ooh. It needs some work. That's that's for sure. Oh, it needs trash is what it needs. It needs to be in the bottom <laughs> of my sink. Okay, let's talk about Twilight Zone movie set. Okay. So, the Twilight Zone started as a TV series in 1959 and featured a new story every episode, many of which were bizarre in nature with, like, a creepy undertone. So, I, I have one that comes to mind where this dude, I'm pretty sure it's the very first episode, but this dude wakes up and he's in like a small town and there's no one in it. He just wakes up and everyone's gone and he's just trying to figure Ooh. out like where everybody went and shit. This so is from it, the original like, series. Yes. Okay. The story I'm talking about is not from the original series, but right. That's, I'm just kind of giving background in case people don't know yeah. the twilight zone. I loved that show when I was a kid. Just loved it. Even though it was in it's black really and good. white mostly. Yeah, it's really good. It's super trippy. I would recommend if people like The Twilight Zone, they should check out the 2019 series. Because it's directed by Jordan Peele, who made... Um, oh. Uh, them. He made a they? bunch of really good... He made them... Um, nope. Nope wasn't a good movie, but... Oh, really? Well, he's I he's seen made that a lot one. of good movies. I've seen them. Okay. It was about aliens, and it turned out I didn't really like it that much. But Okay. Anyways, getting off topic. So Back to the show. Uh, it's a cult classic. It offered several different spinoffs, including The Twilight Zone, the movie, which is what mm -hmm. I'll be talking about today. Cool, cool. Twilight Zone, the movie, featured four stories, with one being an original story, while the other three were remakes from the original series. So, the typical Twilight Zone fashion, it's got multiple stories in it. It's not, like, congruent, but it's kind of just, like, individual short stories almost. Okay. Each story was directed by someone different, including John Landis, Steven Spielberg, Joe Dante, and George Miller. The film's cast include Dan Aykroyd, Albert Brooks, Scatman Crothers, which is a lovely name. I love that name. Yes. Scatman Crothers. Scat so cool. I bet you Scat he Man likes Crothers. jazz music. Probably. He might like scat Probably. a little too. <laughs> Probably. I. Ugh. No thanks. Uh, other actors were John Lithgow, Vic Morrow, and Kathleen Quinlan, along with others that I didn't. I didn't want to list the whole fucking cast, but whatever. Well, no. Look it up for if you anyone want to know. That knows, for anyone that knows about these actors, you'd probably notice that all but two of the actors are still alive. 
Scatman oh. Crothers passed away from lung cancer, which isn't really bizarre enough to make this no. episode. So, rest in peace, Scatman Crothers. Lovely name. But this story is focused on Vic Morrow, along with two other child actors that were tragically killed while on set of the movie. Oh, I don't like that. So Vic was playing the character Bill Connor, who was a character in the story written by John Landis. So like I said earlier, each four stories in the movie, each one was directed by someone different. This story that I'm going to be talking about was directed by John Landis. Okay. Vic's character Bill was transported to Vietnam War to protect two Vietnamese children. I haven't seen the movie, so I don't know the full context, but that's that's what pretty much the story was about. Like, he gets okay. teleported back in time somehow to protect these two children. I don't want to go back in time and go to the Vietnam War. Yeah. I just, no. Okay. Since the scene took place in Vietnam, you can imagine there was a lot of theatrics to recreate the sense of a war going on. Being in okay. This included pyrotechnics, helicopters, and a carefully constructed set for filming. For the scene that my story is based on, it included Vic, two child actors, seven-year-old Micah Din Lee, and six-year-old Renee Shin Yi Chen, and a helicopter filled with six actors. However, Landis circumvented child labor laws and paid the children under the table, which ends up becoming a problem. Yeah. The scene goes as Vic's character, Bill, who is trying to save the two Vietnamese children, Micah and Renee, from a building while explosions erupted in the background and a helicopter flew overhead of them. Everything was going according to script. Vic can be seen carrying it again. Similar to my story la- uh, yeah, last week, all of this was recorded. They were filming a mm. movie, so there was multiple cameras recording this event. Right. So you can find this okay. footage if you so desire. Oh. So everything Ooh. was going according to script. Vic can be seen carrying a child in each arm as he leaves a building, eventually carrying the kids through a, a shallow river. Okay. Once Vic and the two children reach the pond, a pyrotechnic explosion can be seen coming from the building the three just left. A helicopter piloted by Vietnam War veteran Dorsey Wingo was flying about 25 feet above them per Landis' direction. So they kept trying to fly higher and Landis was telling them to get lower, get lower, get lower. Oh. Which would end up causing problems because a piece mm. of the pyrotechnic charge hit the tail rotor of the helicopter causing a catastrophic incident. So the tail rotor was completely they said both rotors delaminated. I'm not sure what that means but I think it means like the metal comes off of them. Yeah I think they like when you you delaminate something it's like the layers of something then pull apart. Separate. Yeah. Yeah. Huge catastrophic failure in the helicopter. Oh, after losing function in the tail rotor, the helicopter crashed into the ground right on top of the three actors. (gasps) No, 
No. Vic and Micah were decapitated by the rotors oh. while Renee was crushed by the body of the helicopter. Oh, yeah. The yuck. three died almost instantly. So there wasn't any suffering, but like. That's good. Yeah. Would you All rather die fast or slow, though? Fast. fast. Decapitated is the best way to go, I feel. That's yeah. right over. Right. Let's go fast. So all six passengers on the helicopter sustained injuries but fully recovered. So That's good. Uh, it was. Oh. Yeah. I don't... So the accident led to a civil and criminal action uh, lawsuit against the filmmakers, which lasted nearly a decade. Lee's father, wow. Daniel Lee, testified that he heard Landis instructing the helicopter to fly lower. All four parents testified that they were never told there would be any helicopters or explosions on the set. And keep in mind, oh. he's, he was trying to circumvent child actor laws, so they wouldn't yeah. have been allowed to have those anyways. So they paid the kids under the table. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. They had also been reassured that there would be no danger and only noise, which clearly that wasn't the case. Right. Lee, who had survived the Vietnam War and immigrated with his wife to the United States, was horrified when the explosions began on the Vietnamese village set, bringing him back to memories of the war. So the father of one of the child actors was on set watching just because... Want to make sure everything right. was going right, and right? Yeah, he's there with his kid. The thing that he fled from, like it, right. So he's oh. flashbacks on set, and it, that's understandable. Yeah. So Landley uh, and Wingo and another cameraman were um, they were all tried and acquitted on charges of manslaughter in a nine-month trial. So wow. Yeah, super weird, super bizarre. Ooh. Like, it. I don't know. There was a lot of regulations. Like, so FAA had certain regulations on airplanes because FAA controls airplanes and helicopters, and they make like regulations and stuff for them. Mm-hmm, and they right. only at that time they only had regulations on planes. They didn't have any regulations for filming with helicopters. Oh, so there was like. That led to a whole bunch of laws being made by the FAA to, like, try and make the helicopters safer on set. But it's just a freak, bizarre accident that happened. Like, because yeah, the pyrotechnics wild. were individually set off, but they said that the one that hit the helicopter wasn't, it, like, malfunctioned and went too early. So it hit the rotor directly in it. Oh, yeah, there was a whole that's... bunch of shit that went wrong on that set. And the fact that wow. they still made the movie, like, that's kind of crazy to me. Like, you can still watch this movie. With this section of the story in it? I'm not sure. I haven't watched the movie. I oh, think the we have story to watch didn't it. change at all. Because when you look up the Twilight Zone movie, he, the, the actor that died is listed in the cast. So Well, oh. Ooh. Yeah. Now it makes weird. me curious. Now we have to go watch it. Let's, yeah, we have to watch it. Okay. Now. That's so next awesome. time we're together. Yeah, let's watch it. Watch it afterward. <laughs> yes. Oh, for sure. Ooh, spooky. Yeah. So, uh, what's what's your story for us, Mom? Well, before I get to that, I just have a question. Like, 
if you know because there are some movies that have been rumored to be cursed like uh, uh poltergeist um, is rumored oh, to be I cursed you were talking about um yellow brick road i forgot the name of that movie um, oh lion witch and no not lion Girl, but, my um, brain just yellow shut brick off road. as soon as yeah no. i can't i want to say alice in wonderland but that's not it but there's rumors of the People are screaming at what? their radios right now and at their phones uh, yeah. because we can't I, think, I, of I can't think of the stupid name. name. Um, I it Dorothy just jumped up. Yes, and Dorothy dog. and the Scarecrow yeah. and oh my so God. I there's feel rumors so of that movie set right now. being haunted and like supposedly in one of the scenes you can see a one of the Wizard of Oz from a rope in the background. Yes, Wizard of Oz. But supposedly Fuck, took you can me too see long. an actor hanging himself in the background of one of the sh- like the scenes but Ooh. i don't really think that's true they wouldn't put that in the movie they just retake it you they take the so. body down and do another take <laughs> right oh actually i so, do uh, remember hearing about that recently because they thought it was one of like the munchkins from the munchkin yeah, part of the wizard of oz smaller one. um so i, I have heard about true. that one but then i've also heard like the poltergeist franchise is rumored to be like cursed because several of the people from the original poltergeist movie ended up deceased under weird bizarre circumstances maybe that's something we'll cover later we're gonna have to talk about that yeah because i yeah that the first poltergeist movie traumatized me i think scary as fuck yes yeah (laughs) yeah so it definitely makes me wonder but A topic for another conversation. Yes. So my story is a brutal story and also with some sections of bizarre in there too. So bizarre because we're back talking about the LDS church, which I did not realize this story when I first researched it until I got into it and went, oh my God, how can I not, how do I keep finding these stories about churches as specifically the lds church nothing against the lds church but church are weird sorry like yeah we have a lot of listeners who go to church that love us and i'm not saying that church is weird i'm just saying that we were not raised neither one of us you (laughs) were not raised because i was not raised in any kind of a religious mindset so I don't. I like, keep coming across these. Faith. Like, if you believe in something, that I, th- I think that's great. But I think it's weird to like certain churches get a little too comfortable. Like, if you have like church get-togethers where you do like a church party, that's fine. But like, if you're like spending all week at the church, I feel like it. There's something weird going on. Well. In this case, <laughs> in this case, it turns into another cult because of the guy's mindset that started in the church. So let's get into it. 
The guy's name is Jeffrey Lundgren. He was born May 3rd, 1950 in Independence, Missouri. His young life was hard and there were reports that his father physically abused him. Maybe the abuse is what led him to have very few friends, if any, in school. He was mostly a loner. He grew up a member of the faction of the Mormon Church, known as the Reorganized Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. That's a lot of words. Condensed down (laughs) to the RLDS for short. And it just made me realize that There's a lot of things about the Mormon church that I don't know because I have never heard of the RLDS, but maybe this story is why. I don't know. Um, The RLDS is an American-based yet international church, and it is the second largest denomination of the LDS church. Lundgren and his father were avid hunters, and he quickly learned how to use and maintain firearms. After graduating high school, he enrolled in college at Central Missouri State University. While attending school there, he met his future wife, Alice Keeler. Alice and Lundgren soon bonded over their shared physical abuse at the hands of their respective fathers. So they were both beat up by their dads, which, as you mentioned on another episode, we keep coming across these dads who beat their kids up and then the kids end up doing bad shit. So add this one to the list. We're going to have to start tallying these things on like a, yeah. The couple got married in 1970. At an early age, they're going to be accustomed to it. So, yeah. And I guarantee there's been psychological studies written on how prevalent it is, but we seem to keep finding them. So not really surprising. So the couple got married in the way parents parented back then that is true they really knew how bad it was until recently yeah it's not cool don't beat your kids i mean this guy was born in 1950 so they were were hitting kids back then yeah (laughs) yeah and i'm not saying that that's okay but it's definitely not okay if it gets out of control but they either also way, didn't know how bad it was back then. So it no, it's just the I time zone. But yeah, I think also back then they they didn't know. But I wonder if they even cared. You know, not? they had more because, troubling things to worry about. <laughs> true, and older generations also had this mindset of children were seen and not heard. You've experienced it with some of the elder people in our family where they loved you, but they never interacted with you to any substantial degree. But if you ask them if they had a good relationship with you, they would say yes, even though they really didn't know much about you because they yeah. didn't really no. have a well, relationship. My fucking favorite color is or anything or yeah. Right. Ba- most basic information. They knew my name. They knew how they probably didn't even Pretty know how much. old I was because vaguely they probably knew that. vaguely. <laughs> yeah. All right, back on track. Uh, the couple got married in 1970, and later in the year they had their first child, a son. Lundgren enlisted in the Navy that year as well. He served a four-year term of service with the Navy before being honorably discharged. 
just prior to finishing his enlistment, he requested early leave, claiming that his presence was needed for his family. However, that request was denied, and he finished his enlistment. Not long after leaving the Navy, the family grew again, with Alice giving birth to their second child and other son. For a short time, the family lived in San Diego, California, after Lundgren left the military, but that didn't last long, and the family ended up moving back to Missouri. Financially, the family was struggling, and the move back to Missouri was an effort to help that problem. In 1979, the family welcomed a third child, a little girl. Some people close to the Lundgren family commented that Jeffrey seemed frustrated with their financial issues and might have taken it out on Alice. There was a hospital report of Alice being treated for a ruptured spleen that could have been caused by being pushed into a closet door handle. But there's not like any domestic violence reports that I heard of or that I read about. So it was kind of conjecture, but it sounded like maybe he was potentially physically abusive with her. Alice stayed in the marriage, and the year following their daughter's birth, she had another son, making their family um, grow to six people. Lundgren and his family moved to Ohio and were living in a church-owned home in Kirtland, Ohio. At that time, he was also volunteering for the church, and he was a tour guide. He would take tours through the historic Kirtland Temple and talk about the religion and the temple and things like that. In this role, he also started developing and spreading a new idea of scripture interpretation. So not just reading the Bible and saying, I think that's, you know, this is what was meant. He interpreted what he was reading and he called it or it was called, I'm not sure that he, I think there was some discrepancy about whether or not he invented it, if you want to call that inventing, or if he just believed heavily in it. I think he thought that he invented it, but there's some, like I said, there's some discrepancy in in that. Either way, It was known as chiastic interpretation, and he believed that he could read a religious scripture and determine statements within them to be true or false. So not being a person raised reading the Bible, not knowing anything about the church, really, other than there is a Bible and people read it. um, I didn't know that people could interpret statements in the Bible to be false and some to be true. But that's what this guy is claiming. So he believed he a prefect of the church. Like I'm sure the main church wouldn't approve of that type of stuff, but since it's like yeah, a fraction, uh, faction yeah. of it almost, like yeah, I think they kind of interpret it how they want, depending on he was he was going a little rogue. But my thought about religion and the Bible, and maybe I'm wrong. Again, I wasn't raised reading the Bible. I wasn't raised in a church, so I really don't know. But I always assumed that the Bible is supposed to be true from beginning to end, and therefore it's supposed to be read as a true thing. But this guy's saying, no, parts of it are false. Well, that's the thing. Like, I, I believe I 
could be wrong. I only have uh, Christianity in my wheelhouse, but like I believe Catholicism takes the Bible as it is, and Catholic, no Catholic, so yeah, Catholic uh, Christians kind of interpret it as in. Like, like oh this was said but it meant time. this yeah it, okay. yeah exactly so i think i okay. believe catholics follow the bible as it says or closer to as it says but i really don't know much about catholics mm. but i've been to church okay. a couple of times a christian church i don't know anything about latter-day saints but i've been to christian churches and i it's more of an interpretation than like a okay like a litter strict thing okay yeah well this guy was not taking it as a literal thing and he was claiming that he could read a sentence so the premise was that god created things in a mirror image so that the right and the left sides of everything created by god were in mirror image of each other so right and left mirror images the theory was that the same could be extrapolated to scripture, but rather than right and left mirroring each other, it was the sentence before and after that was evaluated. When using this theory towards the scripture, Lung Lundgren would take a sentence and then review the, sen the sentence before and after. If all the sentences were in agreement with each other, then it was believed to be truth. But if the first and third sentences conflicted with the center sentence, then the statement was a lie. Jesus, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> Why is he? He's putting I math into words. I don't, I don't like that. Well, Whatever. it's yeah. not really math. He's just saying like, if you he's have, like an algorithm, if you have, though. I mean, he's saying, okay, there weren't any specific examples that were listed, but basically he said, like, if we take this center idea and the sentence before it, if it contradicts the the center idea or the sentence after contradicts, then the center idea that you're evaluating is false. I don't know, but some people yeah, thought it, that it's, this it's weird was, as hell. Yeah. Some people thought that this was a really good way to interpret the Bible. And so he started to attract followers to his method of interpretation, which followers in most of our stories end up meaning that there's a cult involved. Right. Yeah. And that's mm -hmm. what this grew to. So it started out as a community and then it soon became a cult. In 1987, Lundgren was asked to leave the Kirtland home where he and his family were living, living as he was doing his little volunteer position. Um, he was asked to leave the volunteer position and vacate the home because there was some suspicions that he was stealing. After leaving the Kirtland home, Lundgren moved his family to a rented farmhouse and several of his followers moved into the home with him. Again, followers living in your home followers plus living with you equals cult if we want to bring math into it like you just said so it was at this point that 
he started psychologically manipulating the group, which is pretty common with cults. Um, he forbid his followers from talking amongst themselves because he labeled it as a sin and he called it murmuring. So they weren't allowed to discuss things between themselves. Another manipulation that he would use was eavesdropping. He would listen to fellow, um, to his followers and his people's conversations without their knowledge. And then he would use that information in a manner that would make them think that he could read their minds. So he's listening to them have conversations and then he's bringing up the shit that they said, which they thought was in private. And they're like, oh my God, he knows all and he can read our minds. But really he's just, you know, tricking people. Shocking. Using, like, he's just following patterns i'm assuming yeah it's like yeah yeah great manipulation tactics so in april 1988 a neighbor to the farmhouse informed the police that she believed a cult was living in the house she also claimed that one of lundgren's sons told her children that the earth would open up and demons would come out the child claimed this would occur on a specific date so people are starting to go, his kids are acting weird and there's weird shit happening. The child claim, oh, scratch that. A former member of the cult had contacted the FBI and notified them that Lundgren and his followers had planned to take over the Kirtland Temple. Police discussed this information with Lundgren, who quickly called off his temple uh, takeover because they were like, so we heard you're trying to take over the temple. And he was like, no, and quietly telling his people, okay, we can't do this now. The police were concerned about, so they started doing surveillance on him and his group. Later in 1988, another informant came forward to the local police who contacted the FBI and the ATF. They started a federal investigation of Lundgren and his group for domestic terrorism. About a month later, Lundgren was excommunicated from the RLDS church, and on that day, there was a rainstorm and a large rainbow. Lundgren interpreted the rainbow as a sign that the seven seals had been opened, which meant a progression towards the apocalyptic events. So, I had to look up what the seven seals were. I still was confused after reading several things about it. But basically what I gathered from the research that I did was if it indicates the beginning of the apocalypse or that the apocalypse is is in the middle of like, everything's going to burn down and bad shit is going to happen everywhere. And so like, uh, like the first seal is all the good people get sucked up into heaven and then the people that don't make it they start getting hit with the rest of the seals if i remember right. maybe i don't know that they he, that's really what he was telling that, that people in my school when i was in that's that's so, true you extrapolating from the small you did go to a christian Christian school, yes. but I hope to God they weren't talking about that when you were in kindergarten. No, I don't. Because that was the last were. time you were in that school. Because <laughs> um, we moved. It was a great school, but we, we moved, so we had to switch schools. But um, that's what he was telling people 
what the big giant rainbow meant. So he then began a splinter group of his followers that never grew larger than about 20 people. And they were uh, in general conservative members of the church. Lundgren chose to teach the Bible to his followers as he interpreted, as he interpreted um, that whole chiastic, like first sentence, second sentence, third sentence thing. Um, That's how he was teaching the Bible. And it often differed from the other religious leaders. So that was, you know, kind of his ousting from the church itself. So in normal cult leader fashion, Lundgren was manipulating people, as we already discussed. He would treat them poorly if they disagreed with him and uh, would encourage them to do the same to others who dared say he that, that he was wrong. So if somebody stood up and said, yeah, I don't really agree with that, he'd get everybody else on board that was like, oh, you have to, we have to take these people down because they disagreed with me, so they're bad. Um, you know, and because they believed everything he said, they were like, okay, let's go with that. He claimed to be God's last prophet, which all of these cult leaders claim to be, uh, to add to the general cult methods. He asked his followers for their money, shocking, Uh, collecting thousands of dollars from them. Lundgren also demanded that his followers needed to live in his home with he and his family. If members didn't want to live in the home with the rest of the cult, they were considered sinners. No one wants to be considered a sinner when you're in a religious cult. Another terrible sin in Lundgren's eyes was if anyone withheld money from him. So you got to give me all your money. And then if you have any money, still give it to me. And if you make any money, give me your money. One particular follower committed both of these terrible sins. His name was Dennis Avery. Dennis and his wife, Cheryl, had three daughters, Trina, Becky, and Karen. Dennis and his family of five were members of the cult, but he didn't want to live in the home with the rest of the group. He wanted his own space for his family. Dennis sold their home, their family home in Missouri, specifically to move to Ohio and be part of Lundgren's group. Dennis was likely one of the biggest financial contributors to the cult, but apparently he hid, he held back a little bit of his money because he wanted his family to have some assets Lundgren was very displeased with Dennis choosing to break these rules. He proclaimed to the group that it would be necessary for them to take over the Kirtland Temple and that this might need to be done with force, including murder. Because, of course. This takeover was because God had told Lundgren the second coming of Christ would occur at the temple And they needed to be there to witness it. So, of course, the only way to be there is if you take over the temple. And that might lead to killing people to take it over because we have to take it by force. The date this was supposed to occur just also happened to be Lundgren's birthday. However, this is when Lundgren changed his plans um, about the same time that the police 
talked to him and he was like, oh, okay, we're not going to take it over. So he changed the plans um, in a few weeks before that designated day. So his new plans were worse, in my opinion. He convinced several members of the cult that instead of taking the temple by force, they would need to, can you guess what, what would be the next logical step besides taking over a temple? Blowing it up. Oh, that, yeah. I mean, that, that makes sense. Um, that's not what happened. Um, he said instead of taking the temple by force or blowing it up, they would need to sacrifice a family of five, specifically five, in order to like see God. Shit. Yeah. So he argued that the family to be sacrificed would be Dennis Avery's family as punishment for being disloyal to him. He referred to this sacrifice as, quote, pruning the vineyard, unquote. On April 17, 1989, Lundgren hosted a dinner with all of his followers. After the dinner, he invited the men to a hotel room that he had rented. All of the men, except for Dennis Avery. He questioned all of the men regarding their commitment to his plan and each confirmed that they would follow his instructions. Once Lundgren got the men's agreements, he directed several of them to wait for Dennis while he took another member of the group into the barn with him. So Lundgren and this other guy go into the barn and he gets this group of men, go get Dennis. They told Dennis that they needed some help with camping equipment because the group was going to take a camp trip um, coming up soon. They were going to go on this outing and Lundgren was taking all of them. Dennis was then ambushed by the group of men and brought into the barn where a pit had been dug a week before by two of Lundgren's followers. They knew the pit was specifically for this purpose, but Dennis did not know that. Dennis was shot with a stun gun, but did not, it, the stun gun didn't incapacitate him. So they gagged him and dragged him um, into the barn where Lundgren was waiting. Dennis was then shot in the back twice and he died very quickly. The sound of the gunshots um, might have alerted someone that something bad was happening, but someone elsewhere was running a chainsaw the whole time to cover up the sounds of the gunshots. So no one knew. Um, so next they went and got Dennis's wife, Cheryl. She was lured into the barn by saying that Dennis needed her help. When she arrived, she was gagged, duct taped, and brought into the barn. Um, she was shot three times and placed in the pit next to her husband. Each of the three girls were brought in, shot multiple times, and left in the pit. Through a rare coincidence, law enforcement went to Lundgren's house the day after the murders took place. So they didn't know that this murder, that these murders had just happened. They just went to talk to him. He got spooked because they were questioning him and took off. 
So he decided to move his family and the cult to West Virginia. However, that didn't last long, and Lundgren soon decided to leave all the cult members in West Virginia, and he and his family moved to California. Nine months after the murders in January 1990, an informant told law enforcement about the killings. The abandoned farm was searched and the deceased family was located. Lundgren and his cult were now wanted for the murders. The cult members were located in West Virginia and they helped investigators to find Lundgren and his family in California. Thirteen members of the cult were arrested for the murders, including Lundgren and his wife. Lundgren was the only person involved that would receive the death penalty. His wife and son, as well as several other cult members, were given lengthy sentences for charges including conspiracy and kidnapping. Five of the members that were convicted did receive parole between 2010 and 2011. A few cult members were determined to not have any involvement in the murders, but did receive sentences for obstruction of justice. Lung. Lundgren exhausted all of his appeals by August 2006, and he was scheduled for execution in October of that year. He attempted to join a lawsuit with other Ohio death row inmates in an effort to get the death sentence set aside, claiming it to be cruel and unusual. However, it was not his appeal to do this was uh, unsuccessful, and the governor denied him clemency as well. So he was executed at the Southern Ohio Correctional Facility in Lucasville, Ohio on October 24th, 2006. No one claimed his body, and it was buried uh, in the cemetery on the prison grounds. So on top of his grave, didn't even get a name. What? Yeah, it's it's a gnarly story, but. Not a nice guy. That's Manson-level shit. It's crazy that Manson Mm -hmm. didn't get the death penalty. Like, Well, he did. He did, but they vacated, didn't they? I think that's what happened. I think they gave him the death penalty and they vacated. Yeah. He died in old age prison or something. Yeah, because... Something like that. He died in prison, but not from execution. Yeah, he died of essentially old age, but... I think um, California vacated death sentences, so they stopped killing people for cruel and unusual. You have a chaser? I do. Clean up after that nice, that, that not nice story. Yeah. My chaser is, it's another watch recommendation, but it's kind of a weird one. And I I know that some people would probably watch it and complain about it being rude. But if you take it from just an entertainment factor, I think it's kind of funny. So it's the show called Naked Attraction on Max. And it's a dating show where you, they have six people in, um, behind a screen and the people are naked and they raise the screen to reveal the body parts. And then the person choosing the date 
has to pick the people that th- has to pick the person they want to date based on seeing the the naked body parts. So the first step Jesus. is they raise the screen to waist level. You get to see all of their lower body fully naked. And then they have to pick one person to eliminate. It's, I think it's funny because of the way (laughs) that they comment. It's weird, but they've got both guys and girls, people that are straight, people that are bi, people that identify as gay, you name it. They've got them on there. I haven't watched every episode, but it's interesting just to hear like people's thought process because the host (laughs) asks them, what do you like about this body part? Very specifically. (laughs) I don't think it's, it's (laughs) an interesting show and it's, it's entertaining. And the, they also put in like weird, like sociological and psychological facts about like dating and attraction. And like in a survey of people, 73% like X, Y, Z about a person. And it's, it's just an interesting show. And if you like weird, interesting shows that make you laugh a little bit, I would check it out. Definitely sounds What's your chaser? My chaser is an Instagram account called Buzz Life Games. And it's an Instagram account dedicated to drinking games. So this guy oh. just invents drinking games or like finds them. And he just has like, po- like every single post is like, here's a new game. Here's a new game. Like, oh my gosh. Some require Pong, some require dice, some require like, other obstacles and stuff but they always include drinking so i feel like that i love it it would help our audience out a little bit since we're all a little alcoholic so i love it i love that idea i'm gonna go check that out that just about wraps us up though it does enjoyed hearing that weird cult story i never heard that one before i need to stop finding these cult stories yeah i always like land in them i'm not looking for them what's that cults are always fucked up we need to do they are wake up today too but that that takes oh definitely be a long 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 episode yeah it will all right well nice chatting with you bud thank you love you too hey friends thank you for supporting our podcast Please share our show with your brutal and bizarre friends. Give us a boozy follow on your favorite podcast platform. If you're feeling extra generous, we'd appreciate a five-star rating or review as well. But maybe do that sober so all the letters are in the right place. You can find all our contact information in the show notes. We love hearing from you, and if you're interested in helping us stock the bar for our future boozy episodes, you can find our Patreon link in the show notes as well.